0: And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by our guy Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America. Fraternal financial organization Hector, trust me, will help you plan for your family's future or just your own. Screw your family, however you want to do it. You can give them a call at 940-453-3490. Also, of course, brought to you by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. And this is Jam Session, the podcast version 191, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled.
1: If not entertained.
0: As you will be on this version, we've got a lot to discuss. ESPN's Todd Archer is going to join us as we are gearing, looking ahead towards Sunday afternoon. The Cowboys and the 49ers at AT AT&T Stadium for a wild card matchup in the playoffs. We've got that for you. Got some interesting things to throw out around the block. But we do need to tell you about our buddy Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. We actually had a chance to talk with Hector for a little bit and get an idea. And I got to tell you, man, he's a good dude who really is passionate about simply helping people. And after having this conversation with them, I didn't realize how easy it is. And I think part of the hesitancy when it comes to anything financial, I think a lot of people keep financial stuff real close to the vest. You don't want people to know your finances. You're afraid, well, what if somebody's making more than me or what if I've planned horribly and I spend money on stupid crap? Hector's heard all that before. And really the first part of this is just picking up the phone and having a conversation with you, with him so that he can help lay out ways for you to start planning for your future, for you to start having that extra money and, and, and getting out of debt and start saving some money so that you're going to be okay down the road.
1: Well, I mean, I think the whole thing is with Hector and what he really drives home is it doesn't matter what the goal is, saving money, creating a retirement uh, plan, putting together a retirement budget, putting together a monthly budget. I mean, whatever the financial plan is, he can help you out with it because that's what they do. They can dip into any of those areas they can help you out. But the the best thing they do is they give you a plan to fix whatever ails your finances or to take your finances from one in good shape to one in
0: great shape. So give him a call. Let him uh, help you. He's local 940-453-3490. He's non-fee based. It doesn't cost anything to meet with him. So I would pick up the phone and make that call. Let him help you with your finances. Get them in order and start planning for the future. Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, 940-453-3490. Also, of course, the attorneys at Greening Law, Robert Greening and his green team, I was hurt in a car accident several months ago. I've been working with them and they check in with me, see how my treatment is going, update me on how everything is working on their end. So if you've had that happen to you or if you've experienced malpractice or were hurt on the premises of a business, you need to pick up the phone and talk to Greening and his green team so that they can be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies.
1: Well, you know, there's a couple of things, Matt, can tell you that they do. One is they give you information that you didn't even know you were supposed to know. Number two is it sure is a heck of a lot better when they handle all that legal mumbo-jumbo than when you have to sift through it. Um, It doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone, man. And the thing I always tell you is they don't get paid unless you get paid, so you know they are
0: grinding for you. They are indeed, and that consultation, absolutely free. Pick up the phone. If you think you've got a case, they'll talk you through it. 972-934-8900, 972-934-8900, it's Robert Greening, call him now, Offices, Dallas, Texas. It's this Sunday, man, we are inching closer to either the Cowboys moving on or the conclusion of the Dallas Cowboys season. (laughs) We'll find out Sunday afternoon, we now know that it is going to be that 3.30 kick, oddly enough on CBS despite the fact that it's the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers, you would think that'd be a Fox game, but CBS is going to have the call and I'm ready for it. Anytime you get a shot with the Cowboys in the playoffs, I think there's a little nerves as a fan because of all the pain and suffering that we've gone through in recent decades. And you keep hoping, please let this be the year that you can get a playoff win or two and, and at least let us believe that this quarterback is the right one, and that we can finally have a shot at returning to glory.
1: I mean, the playoffs is um, especially now; it's even better than the start of the season. It's we're only three or four games away from a championship or playing for a championship. Uh, everybody's geeked and excited uh, because you've got the added drama of one and done. This ain't no series like basketball or baseball or hockey. It's one one game, and it's it's done. Doesn't matter if you got a great team; if you pick a bad day to have a a bad day, Mm. then you're going to get beat. And so uh, playoffs, man, high dramas where legacies are formed, especially in Dallas when you talk about the quarterback position. And so, dude, if you can't get excited about it now, you got to find another line of business, bro.
0: Yeah, you do. And, and, And it's the reality. You're exactly right. And I think that's what it is is the belief because there are still some people out there and and they used to be the Dak hate hive. Now I think they've morphed into something else, but there are people who just don't believe that Dak can ever get this done, that they paid him too much, that he can't win, that he's not the guy and the playoffs is where it matters. I mean, quite honestly, it doesn't matter if I'll I'll be flat out with you. If he turns into Joe Flacco, I'll take it because Joe Flacco got a Super Bowl ring.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wrote a column today for the Dallas morning news that basically says, oh, Dak, you know, Dak had a heck of a year, even though he had a slump for a portion of the year, um, you know, for almost 4,500 yards passing, 37 TDs, franchise record, only 10 picks, him and Aaron Rodgers, the only NFL quarterbacks to do that uh, this year. That being said, man, it's all about what you do in the playoffs. All the franchise passing records Tony Romo set, as good as Tony Romo was, all a very, very good, not quite all of fame. Dude had one playoff win, bro.
0: He had two. Yeah, I forgot he did have Yeah, Tony had two, but, I mean, to your point, he only had two playoff wins, and if Dak wins this wild card game, he has equaled already Tony Romo in his two playoff – and that's part of this. I mean, it's always been with this franchise, trying to find the right quarterback, trying to find the quarterback that can have that success that you kind of pointed out. I mean, this is what is expected in the world – of the Dallas Cowboy quarterback. It's the Staubachs and the Aikmans of the world and and getting the rings really because fairly or unfairly, I mean, hell, you can look at a guy like Danny White who took the Cowboys to the cusp of glory a couple of times. You know, Danny White who had five playoff wins in his career. He was five and five in his career in the playoffs, but he never got the Super Bowl that eluded him. And I think right now with what we've experienced, because it has been so long, and it was Aikman the last time, man, if Dak can just get this thing to the NFC Championship game, I think it changes a lot of people's belief about his ability to make it happen at some point.
1: Yeah, but you know how these games go. I think if we take it an even deeper look at that, it becomes if they lose, do you view it as a game that Dak lost? You know what I'm saying? Like when Dak gives you a lead against the Packers with a minute something left, okay that ain't got nothing to do with me that we lost you know and so do you look at the game and say Dak was the reason that you lost or was there some other reason why you know the way we used to get Romo passes for different things um, so I think some of that plays into it ultimately you got to win but he's only in his sixth year and so I don't think uh, they'll be that hard on him if he plays great but the team doesn't win but we'll, but we'll see. know if he played great.
0: Yeah, and and, and I think he's going to be just fine. I mean, I'll tell you straight up, I'd rather have Dak than Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I, think,
1: I don't think there's an executive, including those in San Francisco, who wouldn't want
0: that. <laughs> so in this matchup, I do like that Dak Prescott is on our side, and we're going to dive into this. We're going to talk to Todd Archer about it, and, and later through the week as we get closer to the game, with the podcast that I'll drop on Friday, we'll dive a little bit more into this playoff matchup. But it is one of nostalgia. It is one that brings up the games of yesteryear, so to speak. I mean, we're talking about a team in the Dallas Cowboys in this rivalry that if you are my age, this is pretty much the ultimate rivalry of your life, honestly. I mean, I I hate Pittsburgh. And there's just, for whatever reason, I always hated Pittsburgh. And, and that's weird because when the Cowboys were playing the Steelers in Super Bowls and losing in Super Bowls, I wasn't even alive. But the 49ers rivalry to me was the one that in the early 90s, that's what it was. We all knew it. Whoever won the NFC championship game for four straight years was going to win the Super Bowl. And they played in 92, 93 and 94. And then remember in 95, it was the Packers. And that was the one where everybody's like, oh. Well, this is going to be interesting. We don't have to worry about going through the San Francisco 49ers this time around. That's a little different. <laughs> but but nah, that's man, what those, it had kind of become. Well,
1: yeah, no, nah, those were those were great, man. What was it? 92, 93, 94? Yeah. Whew. I mean, you could really look at a trilogy of those games and just um you know, you know, whether I'm sure, I bet somebody's written a book about those three
0: games. Um if not, I guess you can.
2: <laughs>
1: you know i was just thinking that maybe i should have said that but you know when you look at the rosters i mean it's no different than i mean just the number of hall of famers in those games we were getting them in as hall of famers in their prime yeah uh the tension and tautness that went in those games you know ken norton jr going from dallas to san francisco dion going from san francisco to dallas i mean it was bro
2: yeah it, fantastic and-
0: You know, what's interesting about this is that they had played three times in the early 1970s in the playoffs in three straight years. And the amount of times that these two particular franchises, I mean, people forget in 1970 and 71, Dallas played and beat San Francisco in the NFC Championship in both of those years. And then, of course, you turn around and you had the 81 NFC Championship in which the San Francisco 49ers won and Dwight Clark and that whole thing. And then all the times that they played, as we just mentioned, in the early 90s, it's wild to think that these two franchises have played each other in the NFC Championship game five different times. Yeah. Wow. And it's... Sorry, I was just going to say, it's also interesting to think that of these teams, now granted, the expansion and stuff, and, and that changes the way that the, the playoffs are formatted a little bit, but they have never met in the wild card round of the playoffs.
1: I think normally because when they've been good, they've been very, very good. Right. As opposed to just inching in, they've been dominant teams when they've been at their best meeting each other in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and and that's what was so crazy about that. Because I remember back in the 90s when that was happening. And, you know, people forget, like, in in 95, the San Francisco 49ers were there. And they won their division. And they ended up getting a first-round bye And everybody, I think, was just kind of expecting, okay, it's going to be Cowboys and Niners again in the NFC Championship game. And we'll see. And then the Packers beat them in the divisional round at candlestick. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of a bummer. I was hoping we'd get a fourth consecutive year of this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was – dude, I love these rivalries, man. Now, I don't think Dallas-San Francisco, obviously what's going down this weekend, is anything like a rivalry right now. But in the glory days, man, I mean, that was – you know, uh, it's a lot probably – like Texas OU or Ohio State Michigan in terms of the excitement when that rivalry because you know if we win this game we win the uh, we win the conference or if you're Ohio State Michigan we're probably going to the Rose Bowl if we win this game uh, or the playoff now and so it's all that drama that goes into one game man especially when it's the same two teams are battling for it every year uh, man I
0: love those yeah I do too and I think it's a lot of fun and you know, maybe they're renewing the rivalry. I I don't know, but I think if you are of a certain age, man, you remember those games. That's what's so weird about what the Cowboys have done in recent years is you probably got to be, I don't know, you could probably be, I'm trying to think how old you would be and still have like conscious memory of those playoff matchups. Maybe if you're 35 or older, you probably remember that to some degree.
1: Yeah, ain't nobody, you know, I'd say probably 10 years old, so born in 82 so yeah you're right you know right oh, around
0: in that window somewhere of, of where you really remember those games and they had a big impact on you and that was the last time that we saw it i mean that that's that's i mean the names that were on that i think it was right. Mishoda who put up on twitter like the last time these two teams played in the these nfc championships yeah with the starting lineup i mean you talk about loaded lineups man
1: um is there a moment from those games or which of the games stands out to you
0: I don't know why, but for whatever reason, the game they lost in 94 is the one that stands out the most. And maybe it's just because I was so, I thought for sure they were going to win. I was convinced that at that point, the Cowboys were dominant and nobody would, would be able to stop them. And so that one, I think, is the one that it feels like to me, probably I remember the most. Plus, I was older. I mean, I, that was the one that I experienced when I was, how old was I? I was like, I think 15, maybe when that game happened.
1: Yeah, I think I remember the first one, because as as good as they were, you know, they hadn't been good yet, so nobody expected them to go out there and win. Yeah. And then um, Alvin Harper goes whatever it was, 80 or 90 yards to the 10-yard line uh, to basically clinch it. And um, I remember that in part because it was one of the last times I was like a fan, you know, watching the team because I just graduated from college, so, you know, I hadn't become the... uh, any, anywhere close to being a beat writer or anything, so I could still cheer. Uh, and I felt like cheering because I hadn't I didn't know any of the guys either. Yeah. And so that's why that, that game really sticks out to me because I, I really watched it from a fan perspective, and that's really the last time I did that.
0: Yeah, I, I for me, I guess, I, I just so well remember, even though they were down, I mean, people forget, they got down like 17 points, something like that, in that 94 championship, and Aikman hit Irvin – and that was early enough along in the fourth quarter that I still believed that they could come back and win. And it, I didn't remember this. Like, I just looked this up. I did not remember in that game in 19... Well, technically, it was in January of 95. But for the 94 season, Troy Aikman threw 53 passes in that NFC Championship game.
1: Well, um, when, when I did my book on uh, the greatest games you know, 20 different Cowboys that I ever played. You know, Troy said that that was his most memorable game. And it was all because of the fight and the comeback and the no-quit. I think, uh, was it 17 nothing or 21 nothing, Whatever it was, it was bad because I was like, oh, my God, he just threw a pick six. This day's probably over. Yeah, because he threw three
0: picks. Yeah.
1: Um, but they kept coming back, man. And, uh, you know, he got to switch a personal file at the end when Deion and Michael. Uh, so I mean, it was a
0: wild, it was a wild thing. It was. And the only time in Troy Aikman's career that he threw more than 53 passes in a game was in 1998 in a loss to Minnesota when he threw 57 passes.
1: Yeah. I mean, most of his career, even though it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, dude, he was like in the t- mid twenties most of the time.
0: Yeah. That's what you wanted from him. Like he was, he was supposed yeah. to be that guy. I mean, that was always the thing about Aikman was, oh, he could have put up way better statistics and done more than that, but he did what the offense needed, which was running really with the run game and running through Emmett and then him taking advantage of opportunities around that.
1: Yeah, whenever they popped up.
0: Yeah, and, and so I'm looking forward to it. I really hope the Cowboys win. I mean, I, I have some Niners friends, oddly enough, but then yet it's not odd because I talked about this on our last podcast. I mean, if you were a kid that grew up in the 80s, there were two things that you loved. You loved Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and you loved Joe Montana. And the Niners were good in the 80s and everybody loved Joe Montana because he seemed like just a regular dude that anybody could be and the Niners were dominant and it was always Joe Montana. And you have to remember, yeah, I probably watched a lot of those Cowboys games, even ones I don't remember, but the Cowboys sucked in the 1980s.
1: (laughs) Boy, did they ever.
0: I mean, Cowboys were trash in the 1980s.
1: Well, you know, it was the back half of the 80s because – Yeah, the, the back half, half, yeah. Because I was going to say they they won the division on uh, Jim Jeffcoat's 77-yard fumble return or something like that against the Giants when I was a senior in high school. So I, re- I remember that. But, yeah, man, I mean, they took it all the way to the bottom of the well before they rose back up.
0: Yeah, man, I mean, that, that you're, you're right because – Nineteen eighty-five, they finished ten and six, and that was the year they lost on the road at Los Angeles in the divisional playoffs. Eighty-six, seven and nine; eighty-seven, seven and eight; eighty-eight, three and thirteen; eighty-nine, one and fifteen. And for me, I was like eight, nine, and ten in the back part of those years. And so, my first conscious memories of really paying attention to the Cowboys—they were god awful. I mean, the first—I I remember that that nineteen eighty-nine season. Very, I was 10 years old and I remember that season as being one of the first seasons where I really started to pay attention and watch a little bit more of them when my dad had them on. And they were one in 15 the first season I really remember paying attention to them.
1: Dude, I was glad I was in college because they stunk so bad and we didn't have the internet and stuff so <laughs> you know it wasn't you didn't have to suffer like you would have to suffer now.
0: No you didn't man. And they, you know that's what's so wild about that is they got so good so fast and they were such a fun group and and they they were i mean they were winning playoff games people forget i think they never really even the in the NFC championship game and it was closer than the score but 30 to 20 that first year and they blow the bills off the field in the Super Bowl and they were just it was just this team that seemed like the perfect team and I, there's no way in hell in 1996 when they went 10 and 6 and lost to the Carolina Panthers in the divisional round <laughs> There's no way that anybody thought when you would watch them win the wild card game 40 to 15 the week before that you were about to embark on a 13 year stretch before you ever saw them win another playoff game. Nah, that's
1: that's the wild thing about sports, man, because nobody could have predicted it. Um, but, you know, you in know, in 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 if we had been looking differently, it's not that we could have predicted it, but. You know, man, you can see where it was it was kind of built on a house of sand after, after Jimmy left and You know, it was only a matter of time until it just fell apart.
0: And that's where we're at is once you got through that era of Cowboys, starting in 1997, the Dallas Cowboys have three playoff wins from 1997 until now. And they've got a chance to add to that, not just add to that, but perhaps, I mean, think about this. If they make the Super Bowl, they will have won as many playoff games this year as they have won in the last 24 years. That's why it feels improbable. (laughs) I know. That's why it's so bonkers. You know, and I still still keep thinking that you have to have some playoff seasoning and some playoff tests to really be able to navigate this, as we have seen teams from the yesteryears do it. And the fact that they haven't been able to have consecutive appearances in the playoffs— since 06, 07. That's one of the reasons why 07 was such a, a thing for me. Because they had made the playoffs the previous year. We all thought they should have beat the Seahawks. And then in 07, they show up and they're 13-3. And, and you're like, this is the year. This is it.
1: This has to be the time. Right. Because they're so good. You know, and they start off 12-1. and one, Big win over Green Bay on Monday night in 07. And, uh, dude.
0: and they weren't strangers to the playoffs because they had been in the playoffs the year before. They knew that heartbreak. They knew... I thought don't make those mistakes. And that's what that made that one really, really tough. And and that was the last time they've been to the playoffs in two straight years, which I think makes it difficult. I mean, this is a Cowboys team this year that hasn't been to the playoffs in the last two seasons. So there's a lot of guys on this team that don't know what playoffs are like. Dak does, of course, he he was there in, in obviously 2016 and in 2018. So we'll see. We'll see if that experience is something that they can build on. It's just so hard to see a team that hadn't made the playoffs in two years get into the playoffs and and do something magical. But it happens. It does happen.
1: Yeah, man, but I don't know. Um, They got a really talented team, so they are capable of putting it together. Our problem is we haven't seen them put it together in a long time.
0: All right, before we move forward and and get into a trip around the block here, let's tell you about a couple of our fantastic sponsors. I don't know. Look, I love all of our sponsors. I think they're all fantastic. We really do truly recommend that you use these because we know these people. We've been working with them for a while. But the one sponsor that, well, we have two sponsors that you can put in your mouth. And the one that I love, while I love Smokey John's Barbecue and the delicious taste the snack style that I can get with brews biltong and the post-workout snack that it is I just absolutely love it I I am a fan of beef jerky and I got to tell you after having biltong I don't know how you ever want to go back to beef jerky Bruise biltong is the brand it's Bruise b-r-u-s biltong b-i-l-t-o-n-g com. you got to try it I'm you have to try biltong
1: dude it's fantastic I like it because it's tender It's succulent. Juicy maybe even is a way to describe it. Yes. I love it in the mid-afternoon, man. With some sparkling water, that's how I like to get down. I love the 30 grams of protein and no carbs, no sugars, none of the bad stuff, no additives. Dude, I rock with it for that. And it tastes good. It's hard to beat that.
0: It's fantastic. I think you're really going to enjoy it. As you said, man, those two ounce snack bags, 240 calories, 30 grams of protein, you can't stop eating them. And I think I've said this a couple of times, but it's true. We are the only podcast they sponsor. They do not do any other podcasts. We are the first and only podcast that Brews Biltong sponsors. It's a dude from South Africa who grew up making this stuff, knows all about it. His friends liked it so much, he decided to start a business. And guess what? You're going to love it. Don't forget, when you go to bruisebiltong.com, you get 15% off at your order. Make sure you use the promo code JAM15, that's J-A-M-15, at checkout for 15% off. I'm telling you, man, bruise biltong. Bruise is badass. Eat it. I don't even (laughs) know if he likes me using that tag, but I've decided to adopt it because that's how much I enjoy it. There needs to be a T-shirt made of that. <laughs> you should make a T-shirt Bruce out of that. Bruise Biltong. Bruce Biltong is badass. Eat it. Dude. That's, Eat it. It says T-shirt. It does say T-shirt. I think everybody's really going to enjoy it. I really do. So let's take this trip around the block because there's a couple of things. I know you had some stuff you wanted to get into. I found this the other day, and this is one of those headlines that when you read it, you go, what? And it was so just different than what I was expecting to ever read in a, a headline that I had to click on it. they <laughs> got you. Well, they did because you it's, it seemed fake. I, and this is not the website that I read it from is a notable news website that wouldn't normally do something where they're just trying to get you for clickbait or whatever. Right, right, right. And it basically the headline, I was trying to find it if I could scroll through and find the actual headline, but it's too far down. But basically, the headline was something similar to, man has pig heart transplanted into him. What the hell? And i was like, wait, wait, what do you mean? A human being had a pig heart for a heart transplant. It is the first one that has ever been done. And the reason why they did it, and it doesn't say why the guy couldn't have a human heart, but... Apparently, this was his last option, and it was basically we can try this and we can try the pig heart, or you will die. Jeez. Like, those are the all, and we don't know if the pig heart's going to work or not. You may die anyway. You're 100% going to die if we don't try the pig heart. <laughs> what, the, what, what are we doing? Jeez, did it work? So far. And now, granted, this is something... I mean, this is... Anybody can Google this. I mean, this is a legit news story that is all over the place, okay? It's a 57-year-old man who had a life-threatening heart disease, and it was a genetically modified pig where they went into the DNA of the pig and took out some sort of an enzyme sugar that could potentially have caused it to be rejected by the human body. Jeez. Oh, this is insane. This is unbelievable. Now, apparently... It has been successful so far, but it's relatively... I mean, this happened in the last few days. It is the first successful transplant of a pig's heart into a human being. It was an eight-hour operation that took place in Baltimore last Friday. So as we sit here on Tuesday recording this, the guy is still alive. It's amazing. Isn't it? And and they say, yes, this this pig heart, it creates the pulse. It creates the pressure. It is his heart. It is working, and it looks normal and the doctors say they're thrilled, but we don't know what tomorrow will bring us because this has never been done before.
1: Well, I guess not.
0: And so this so is this is what's nuts about all this. And this is why, and again, if you're not an organ donor, I, I would encourage you to be one. I'm one. I know people feel differently about that, so whatever. But there is an acute shortage of organs, and this is why they did this. They say about a dozen people every day on organ donor lists die and that some 3,817 Americans received human donor hearts last year, more than ever before, but the demand is still higher. And so they have been working on, because pigs, apparently they're very similar to us with their organs, and a pig heart's very similar to the human heart. So they've been working to develop pigs whose organs will not be rejected by the human body, because if they can do this, then basically anybody who needs a heart can have one.
1: I guess you want to walk around with a pig heart?
0: Isn't this nuts? Well, I mean, is it. Does it, does it make do you, you a,
1: does it make you adverse to bacon and ham? Is, I
0: don't know. But if your alternative is look, you, you're gonna die, you'll be dead, or we can do this and we'll see.
1: I mean, I guess we'd have to we have to rock with it, but I mean, do you snort when instead of laughing now? Nah, I mean, yeah. Just... That's
0: what happens. And they also <laughs> say that there is a possibility that after having the heart transplant, you may grow a tail. Man, shut up. <laughs> Obviously, not. I don't know, man, but this is nuts to me. I mean, think about this. If we can start using items of this nature, we're basically growing organs that we may need and something else, and we can use them if we ever have an organ failure.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, you know what would be cool, and I bet this happens. I don't know. I can't put a time frame on 100 years, maybe less than that. Yeah. Is that uh, when you're born, they'll snatch your DNA and they'll create a couple lungs. They'll create all your organs for you and they'll store them somewhere. And then if you need it, they go pick it up at the storage spot. It's already your blood types all the same and they, yeah. just, they just jack them
0: in you. Yeah, pretty much. It's gonna be, you know, it be kind of like in the matrix, how they grew humans for power. We'll have somewhere where we can just grow organs and if you need one, you've got one.
1: Yeah, but I mean, even to the point where they'll just grow yours. So if you need one or they'll have the, you know, you, all your siblings, whatever, they'll have the same little organ patch. Yeah. So that, um, you know, because they'll be able to grow them specifically. I, I mean, this is, some point.
0: this is wild man. So, and, and this is kind of like you were joking about it, but this is really, he says, the doctor said, look, we can't give you a human heart because you don't qualify, but we can use one from a pig. It's never been done before, but I think I can do it. And the doctors say, His one question back to us, well, am I going to oink? Seriously, the guy asked him that. Now, I didn't know this. This is called xenotransplantation. And it had been done in the 1960s. Chimpanzee hearts, or excuse me, chimpanzee kidneys were transplanted into human patients, but the the longest living one only lasted nine more months. And then in 1983, a baboon's heart was transplanted into an infant, but she passed away 20 days later. Jeez. How nuts is this? Pigs pigs offer advantages over primates because they are easier to raise and achieve adult human size in six months. Man, this is wild. Dude, it's like something off Jurassic Park. I always think these things have bad endings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, right? Like where we start morphing into a new species called pig humans.
1: It's just something, man. You know, when you start messing around with nature and, and all that stuff, uh, you know, I get it. I'm not an anti-science by any stretch. It's just wild.
0: Yeah, man. It's it's really, really interesting. But like you said, and I've said this before, I, I honestly think that we're fairly close to being able to pick and choose kind of how long we want to live. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know, bro. It's weird, but... There you have it, a, a pig heart, and, and we'll see how long the guy lives, but it, they have done that. The other thing that I wanted to get into is we wrapped up Dexter, the whatever, Dexter New Blood, and they had it, it, the season finale of it, which serves as the series finale for the new season of Dexter that was on Showtime. And it's an interesting ending, but it is definitely it gives about as much closure as you can get to the whole character of Dexter in that whole series. I don't want to ruin it for anybody if you're going to watch it. Yeah,
1: because I'm on uh, I think I'm on the beginning of episode nine. I think there were 10 of them, right?
0: Yes. Yes, there's 10 of them.
1: Yeah. So I'm two from the end.
0: Yeah. So um, I,
1: I thought it for the most part,
0: pretty solid.
1: So let me make sure I'm clear. So this was just a one series deal. Yes. We'll come back do this there ain't no series two three. right
0: no they're not doing anything else this is it
1: oh all right well then I'll look at it with an even different more different
0: eye. yeah and they have said that they felt like and even Michael C. Hall who plays Dexter said that he felt like the open-ending finale of the original series didn't work and it wasn't what they wanted to do with the character and so they've kind of gone back and this is more uh, just, clean up yeah it kind of wraps everything up and and you know you may still have some questions at the end but i i thought it worked i, I it made a lot of sense to me and as uh, like i especially after we watched the whole thing i went back and li- and i watched uh, or i listened to an interview or read an interview that he had done after this series and his reasonings for why they did what they did in the finale and all that and i was like oh okay yeah that's that's actually makes a ton of sense all right, good, because I've I've been uh,
1: entertained thus far.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I it's... I think the the side story and you know, there's a whole other, there's a serial killer aspect in this one too, and it, I think it works. And I really like Clancy Brown, who is the dude that plays like I I don't know his nemesis or whatever in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've where always... I know
1: him from, I've been trying to figure out
0: where I know him. He from. played the main guard in Shawshank Redemption. If you ever saw oh, that,
1: I did oh that's who that
0: yes oh what
1: an a-hole yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: dude that's played the guy so played the
1: hell out of that role yeah
0: th- th- he played I'm trying to remember the name of that dude from Shawshank Redemption but that's who he is from it was Captain Hadley that's who it was Captain Hadley from Shawshank Redemption who was the leader of the guards at Shawshank Redemption Clancy Brown played him and he plays in this Dexter show He came in when I was working at Blockbuster part-time when I first started at the ticket. Clancy Brown was filming something in Dallas and he came into the Blockbuster where I worked to rent a movie. And I saw him and he came up and asked for it and I was like, oh my God, that's Hadley. And I didn't didn't say anything, but we walked, I might've told this story before. We were walking through the drama section and I stopped at Shawshank Redemption. I pointed at it and go, now that's a really good movie. And he just looked at me and smiled and he goes, yes, it is. And then when I showed him where his movie was, and then that was it.
1: <laughs> Look at you.
0: Yes. How, how that, clever of you. Right. That was like a tip of the hat, like, hey, man, I know who you are, and I love this movie, but I don't want to make a big deal out of it, so here's what you asked for. But by the way, it, I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's, he's in Billions, too. He plays, oh, what season of that is Billions? I, I, I think it's season four of Billions. He plays the U.S. Attorney General for 16 episodes.
1: Oh uh, yeah, he does. I remember him from there. I was like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Jock Jeffcoat. He's in that, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. so I, you know, I, I like the series, and then I got curious, and last night I just decided that I was going, and I don't know how many people know this. This the TV show Dexter is based off of a series of books.
1: Oh that, yeah I, I knew that. Don't tell me you went and grabbed books and started reading
0: them I did I did so the it's the author is Jeff Lindsay and the books are uh, there are eight books and the first one is called Darkly Dreaming Dexter, which came out in 2004 and I started reading that It's a very quick read. I mean it, the first book's about 300 pages long and I'm I started it last night and I'm already to page 200. Good grief. No, but I'm telling you, like, it's the way that it reads and the way that it's set up, it's just a very quick read. All right. But, yeah, I mean, it's I, – I like it because it, it shows – like, I loved Dexter. I love that TV show. I love the character. And it, it shows some different insight – and man, just having read a chunk of the first book, I can tell that, man, Michael C. Hall just nailed it. But it, it really kind of gives, I mean, any book would give you a little bit more depth of the character. And I, I think it's interesting having seen all the shows to kind of go back and read the books. And I was curious if they were any good.
1: Nah, I mean, that, that sounds like a Matt thing to do, so. Yeah, so. I'm not, I'm not surprised by such a voracious reader.
0: Yeah, because I didn't have any other books. I mean, there's a couple on my list, and I was like, I'm not really feeling that. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to – I love the show. Let's see if the books are any good. Yeah. And maybe I'll read all eight of them. Who knows? Maybe in eight days. (laughs) Who the hell knows? We'll see. But, yeah, Dexter, the TV show is definitely worth it if you guys have a a wild hair about getting into showtime and going down that route. So what did you have – you said earlier you had something for the block.
1: No, I just had something interesting. Uh, It was my birthday the other day, and so I decided to uh, spend some quality time hanging with myself and um uh you know challenging myself to do some things i hadn't done in a long time or um you know things i thought i'd try you know just you know hang out and be adventurous bro and so i ended up in south dallas and i stopped i saw this little funny looking place and i had heard about it so i stopped by there and it's a snow cone place mm. now it was like 30 37 47 degrees on my birthday all right but I'd heard so much about it, and my birthday was the day where I said, well, I'm pretty much going to eat or try whatever I want to try, so I'm going to do it on this day, and, uh, you know, whatever. So I got a snow cone. I hadn't had a snow cone in forever, bro. And I tried a snow cone flavor that, let's just say this, Matt.
0: It was called Tiger Blood and Pickles. Tiger Blood. I've had that flavor before, but Tiger Blood and Pickles is very interesting. Yes, and so,
1: I tried it, because the lady there dared me to try it, because I said, well, I want to live, I'm I'm doing a YOLO day, tell me something wild, oh, you got to try the, the tiger blood and pickles, nice, and so, I said, well, if I don't like it, yet, will you do me another one, she said, you're going to love it, I said, but if I don't, will you do me another one, she said, no, but I'll give you one, I'll let you buy one for half price,
0: <laughs> fair enough, I
1: was like, whatever, man, it's you know, South Dallas, my people. What can I say? Yeah. So I tried it, and I took because uh, it comes with a spoon, not straw, because it's about twenty ounces. And I tried it, and I, I was waiting for a nasty taste, and I got to tell you, man, tiger blood and pickles was fantastic. Interesting. Well, that's because now I do have to tell you they were using what. Are you familiar with Kool Aid pickles, Matt?
0: Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had one, but I yeah. All right.
1: Well, it's a big thing in the black community. They take dill pickles, kosher, sweet pickles, I believe. I believe, no, they're dill pickles. Because mm. my granddaughter was doing it. Uh, and the key is you soak them in Kool-Aid for a period of time. It could be a week or whatever until they get the right amount of sugar in them and okay. you have a sweet, salty thing going. But I've never been a pickle guy. And even when my granddaughter you know, was doing it. I was like, yeah, I'll try one, but that's eh, whatever. Dude. This was fantastic. I mean, you would never think that Tiger Blood snow cone with pickles would be off the chain, but, bro, it was fantastic. Yes, sir. Little uh, Bitty Shack D.L. Shave Shop in uh, South Dallas. Huh. Uh, So swing through there. I prefer. I do it in the daytime. There's no problems. And, uh, you know, it was was a good experience.
0: Yeah, Tiger's Blood, for those that don't know, is, is like watermelon, strawberry, and coconut.
1: Oh, see, I didn't even know. I just knew they called it Tigers
0: Blitz. Yeah, it's like a combination of that, of those flavors, and so then mixing that with pickles probably good. I I I like a pickle, man. I like a a pickle flavors. I've had the pickle beers, and you know sometimes I just eat pickles out of the jar. That's how my
1: granddaughter does it, man. I always look at that with amazement as she's crunching on them. I'm like, they're good. I I never got down
0: with pickles like that. Yeah, you don't like a big old pickle? No, bro. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay i understand yeah we have a jar of the little tiny small ones that are i don't even know they're dill pickles but they're like miniature or whatever yeah, i don't know anything about a small one no you've you never had a small pickle you ever had one of those no. real big thick pickles yeah, born with it <laughs> that's interesting god Talking to you half the times like having a conversation <laughs> with a ten year old. Like you say the word ball and you just die laughing. <laughs> you said ball.
1: Ah, I've still got my boyish charm at the double nickel.
0: Oh, it's like it, it, it's like uh, when I was in town and and Maddox was around. I said at some point I said oh, I think it was it was something similar like hey just uh, do you mind throwing that over there in that sack and he's like Who's sack what sack and I was like oh my god really. <laughs> What sack do you think I'm talking about? <laughs> That's, you know, man, sometimes we have a good time. Yeah, yeah you got to have a good time. And who doesn't like sexual innuendos?
1: <laughs> They're stupid and funny, even at the double nickel.
0: Bar. Yeah, it never gets old, man. It, it, it's it's <laughs> always the same. There's certain things that, for whatever reason, the dudes are always hilarious. <laughs> Pretty much. Always. Every single time. And I'll tell you this, and, and not that anybody's lady friend ever might possibly do this, But if you ever have a lady friend or like if my mom, if I'm around her and they happen to fart, I laugh my ass off. I don't know why. I think it's hilarious Yeah, because they're all up in arms. I didn't toot. I know. And I'm just dying laughing. I'm like, that was awesome. It's the best. And by the way, before we wrap up this trip around the block, I do want to give today. Many of you are listening to this on Wednesday, January 12th, and it is my mom's birthday today. So I want to say happy birthday to my mom, Tracy, the best mom, a wonderful human being as her birthday is today. One more year until she turns 70 years old.
1: One of the nicest, sweetest women you'd ever meet.
0: It's true. I mean, she is salt of the earth. She really is. She's awesome. So happy birthday, mom, because I know she listens to the podcast and hopefully you're having a great day and enjoy your final year of your 60s.
1: Yes, happy birthday, Mom. Man,
0: final year of your 60s. Maybe we'll do a big, because my parents are born in the same year. My mom's like three months older than my dad. Uh, You should
1: do a big 70th, man. Yeah, maybe,
0: because that'll also be, when they turn 70 next year, not only is it their 70th birthday, it'll also be their 50th wedding anniversary.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they, coming up in May, they're about four months shy, they will have been married for 49 years.
1: Hey, both uh both great people both in great shape so no nah. yeah uh, right. i love the mclaren parents and so do i saying that because no. if i didn't really like them i'd just be like
2: yeah cute people <laughs>
1: and I <keep> moving. <laughs> but i really like tim and tracy they are fantastic and i got nothing but love for
0: them yeah they're good people they're really good human beings so happy birthday mom have a have a wonderful little day and for everybody else, um, when it's your birthday, happy birthday to you as well. It is time we do it pretty much every week. We have our ESPN Cowboys insider join us, brought to you as always by our friends at Blue Star Motor Group. You can check them out online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. Todd Archer joining us here, and, and the season is over, 12-5. and five. Todd, they have put up over 50 points in two of their last three games. Is this team a Super Bowl team or what?
2: Break up the Cowboys. Fifty burgers for everybody. Hang half a hundred on them, isn't that you know? Of course, it was against the Eagles JV, and Washington was a JV. So I don't know. If, don't get carried away yet. I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Man, so what? What do you take away? Anything? Is is there any? They got some confidence. Dak started to feel it on Sunday again, or Saturday against the Eagles. Do do they take away anything from that? Because as you said, the Eagles didn't care about that game and basically started all their backups.
2: Right, so, and now, you know, I might sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I would say, no, I absolutely got something out of it because what would we have said if they struggled against the JV team with nothing to play? You know what I mean? Like, we'd be like, oh, my God, this guy's falling in. They got nothing to, they got no hope, blah, 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 blah. So, I think they absolutely, how that game transpired was actually very good for the Cowboys because they were able to move the ball on the ground. They made some big plays in the passing game. Obviously, they put up 50-something points a couple of the touchdowns might not matter at the end but still they, they were effective and they go into this thing now what was one worry that you had about the Cowboys during the course of the season man their red zone offense not very good well now they've scored a touchdown on 13 straight trips inside the 20. <laughs> so you know that's something that that builds confidence for you having said all that you're 0-0 all the way across the board in, in, in everything and to me we'll get into it I'm sure but this Niners team, of all the teams that they could have played in the first round, is probably the most difficult matchup in my mind.
1: Well, Todd Archer, why do you say that?
2: Because the last time this team was, quote, fully healthy or uh, in the playoffs, they were in a Super Bowl. They were Jimmy G, they were five inches away from beating the Chiefs on a Garoppolo throw down the middle of the field late in the game. Um, you know, Shanahan. In that run game, it's difficult to defend when when you have a really great. You can't run the ball on this on you defense. The Cowboys aren't that way. That, to me, they're still susceptible to the run, and it's it's like Shanahan's dad when when he was in Denver before anybody know who knew who Terrell Davis was. Terrell Davis, Landis Gary, um, uh, Portis was a first second round pick, but you know he had a run of like guys you had no idea who they were. And they ran the ball. And now this time, this team, you have guys you have no idea who they were, you know, Mitchell and things like that, and they're running the ball. And they do it regardless of who they're playing against. And they can protect their quarterback and their defense. That front is among the best in the game, and they're strong. And now if you can block it up and protect them, there's some holes that, that you can expose in that secondary. Um, but th- this is, I think, how – not that the Niners won – in San Francisco, but how they won down seventeen nothing, needing that late drive to tie the game. Um, Garoppolo making all kinds of plays. Debo Samuel's a tough matchup. I, I just think a lot of these things don't. Not that the Cowboys can't win. I'll probably pick them to win uh, later on in the week, but I just think it's going to be a lot difficult than people think. And and everybody's like, well, Jimmy G's terrible. Jimmy G is not terrible. He he he's not like. People just want to say he's terrible because that's all they've ever heard. He's a solid, competent quarterback that's probably getting paid too much money. But again, he's taking the team to a Super Bowl. He's been there in those big games. Like, this is going to be a tough one. I don't know. Hopefully you guys feel the same way. I'm not just talking out of my ass.
1: (laughs) You've done that before. (laughs) But uh, now is not the time. I think, um, you know, I think each of the teams – presents their own, you know, issues for somebody. Uh, but, yeah, man, the fact that the style that they play and kind of to your point, what to me what Dallas does is rush the passer now, you know, and, and create that thing when, when they got you down and and uh, down a distance as well as score. But with San Francisco, you, you know, that necessarily doesn't bother them because they ain't really trying to do that all the time.
2: Right, it's seventeen nothing, and they're still running the ball. It's seventeen, and then they score a field goal at the end of the half, make it seventeen three. They come out in the start of the third quarter; they're still running the ball. Like they don't deviate really from what they do, uh, and, and they, you know, they maximize their possessions. And Debo Samuel, like I said, tough matchup. George Kittle, tough matchup for for the Cowboys. They've done a solid, you know, a good to solid job, however you want to define it, on tight ends this year with with J. Ron Curse, but again. You know, th- this is this is a guy in the playoffs ha- has shown the ability to raise the level of his game. Um, I'm trying to think of another tight end that they've. You know, they didn't play Garter last week. You know, Arizona, Washington. I'm about, looking back like when's the last time they played a, a big time tight end? Waller got hurt on Thanksgiving, didn't play very. And you got to go to Kelsey, and Kelsey had a pretty good game against the Cowboys. I think, even though it was only 19 to nine, but you know, th- there's there's opportunity. The just the, the, again, the matchups itself is a difficult one for for the Cowboys for their defense. What makes them so good? And Trent Williams is back. That's going to help their pass protection against the Cowboys' pass rush. I mean, there's just a lot of things that that the Cowboys are going to have to be at their at their best to win this one.
0: Well, the flip side of that is the Cowboys' offense, and, and yeah, we kind of. You look at it, Washington, Philly, whatever, you take away what they did against some of these NFC East teams, and it kind of tells a little bit of a different story as far as their potency and their points per game and that whole thing. But how do you like that side of the football with Dallas and, and what Dak can do against San Francisco defensively?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, you you look at their front and what they do. You know, Bo's, Jock can talk all day about Bo's, I'm sure, if he wants. And Armstead's a solid player in their You know, Warner's a really good middle linebacker. Greenlaw's a guy that can make plays. So their front seven's good, and they're active, and they can move. Now, it doesn't mean they're immovable, and you can't make plays against them. And I I like the fact that, you know, Arizona game aside, it did seem like the Cowboys' running game was making strides, and Zeke looked different against Philadelphia. I don't care who he's playing against. He looked better uh, with that right knee injury he's been dealing with. And then Pollard, they rest him. To me, that one almost tells you, like, are they going to be switching roles here? Like, why would they have rested Pollard for that one? And, and you know, when they tell us, no, he's fine, the foot's good, that was a odd choice or, or a strange timing, I guess, for me to say, Now nah, let's rest him this time after they played him the previous three weeks or whatever it was, and then let's r- ride Zeke like, like we haven't really done in the second half of the season. So I think the Cowboys enter this game with some confidence in their run game. But, again, you better – Win quickly in the run game because if you go, if they make you go laterally, these linebackers can come chase you down.
1: I wrote a piece uh, for the Dallas Morning News that uh, you can find at uh, dallasnews.com or at uh, JJT underscore journalist about Dak. Uh, not, I'm not breaking any news here, but you know the reason why he got 160 million is to win playoff games, especially at the crib. And that uh, if you don't get it done, you're uh, still young, but uh, you know your offseason is not going to get any easier. What do you think, Todd?
2: Yeah, I mean, this whole season he's gone from ah, he's the fourth round pick that's overperformed, and boy, you know what a great story this has been. To now, you got a forty million dollar contract. You better deliver. Um, and and like you said, especially home playoff wins. And he's won his. Well, he didn't win it. He won a home playoff game here in twenty eighteen. He lost in twenty sixteen to the to Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, but yeah, this is a different level of expectations now that gets pinned on you when you get paid this kind of money. And I think that whole season has been like that. You know, it's funny, you look at Dak's numbers at the end of the year and it's 37 touchdowns and team record and, you know, right around, how many picks did he end up with, Jack? was it 10? Nine, 10, 9, like 10, something like that? So, at 4,000, more than 4,000 yards and he only played in 16 games, you're like, man, that was a really good season. But I think, you know, for a good portion of the second half, we're like, what's wrong with that? And really, it's what's wrong with the entire offense. But again, quarterback, he'll be the one who gets the bulk of the blame when things don't go well. And if they were to lose this one, well, he's going to get the bulk of the blame. Whether it's his, you know, if he throws for 500 yards and they lose, no, they're not, he doesn't deserve the, the, the blame. Uh, but this is a new round for him. And the expectation levels rise because of what happened last March when they gave him the sixty-six million dollars signing.
1: Yeah, that's when you cease being a cute story and you have to be a deliverer. He right.
2: got, got paid and, to and win. Romo went through what? Look, Romo went through the same thing, right? Not so much uh, about the financials, really, but for for him, it was the Cabo thing changed the expectations. And once you lock to the to the uh, Giants in 'oh seven it became the only playoff story that mattered around him. It didn't matter that he would play pretty well in, in – well, no one played well against Minnesota in 2009, but obviously played really well in 14 uh, against the, the Packers when when he lost that game uh, – were well, when they lost that game. But, you know, the expectations change when you've been around here for a little bit. And this isn't like Dak's third year as a starter. This is his fifth year as a starter. Like, how many guys who have started this long – haven't made a Super Bowl run yet with the initial team that they've signed with. There's not very many, right? I mean, Drew Brees was in year, what, four when he went with New Orleans? His fourth year with New Orleans when they went, you know, there's not there's not a lot of guys that have been the starters this long a time and have not made it to a Super Bowl. So, you know, the time is it's not running out on Dak, but certainly the, the time is now for Dak.
0: Yeah, so a good yeah. One right there. It, that is yeah. a good one, and I, I think there's there's something to that because you see that with a lot of coaches too. That generally speaking, if you're going to get it done, it's going to happen at some point earlier on, where you lay the foundation so that you then have the opportunity, like a Brady or somebody that that gets to go multiple times. But then you know you have the Drew Breeses and the Aaron Rodgers of the world who have been and somehow never got back.
2: Yeah, and and look, I don't, I I put more of that on. It's really hard to get to a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, you know, people, you know, it. For all the people that say, well, the, the Packers haven't done enough around Aaron Rodgers. Well, he's been to a bunch of NFC title games, so they he's got to be doing something. And Drew Brees, look at the losses. Some of the losses that he had in the playoffs that are just that just defy reality. Yeah, and the Minnesota one comes right to my head uh, immediately, right? Um, on, on the what did they call it? the Minneapolis Miracle? Like, so, you know, you got to put yourself in position to, to have your chances, and the Cowboys are there now. But yeah, I mean, seriously, how many guys have been around as long as Dak? I'm scanning through and have made a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan comes to mind as a guy that had been around for a little bit. Uh, oh boy, in uh, Carolina. Cam. Cam Cam was around for a little bit before yeah. he, you know, had his MVP season and they went to a Super Bowl. So if you get past a certain point, the odds are it's not gonna happen. So like like I said, you know, it's, it's not time isn't running out, but the time is now. Well you know I'm gonna use that one till so I let it go. I'm not letting that one go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um this is what happens when you miss opportunity. Like their opportunity was twenty sixteen. 13-3, best record, all I've missed mess, or second best, whatever it was. And they didn't go, you know, the championship game or Super Bowl that year. You know, that was their best team, their best year, and they didn't make it happen. Romo no 2007, Romo. best year, best exactly. team, yeah. Yeah, and so when you miss out on, like, those opportunities when you're supposed to make it happen, that's how you end up with these long-ass droughts.
2: Right. Like, we always talk about windows of opportunity. Well, you never know when the window is going to be. You know, it, it, like an '07. So, all right, Cowboys make it in 0-6 and make it in 0-7, And we're like, they're going to get through here at some point, just like the teams of the '90s, and they never did. And then with Dak, you know, you're like, oh, he's a rookie. Look at this, the rookie contract. They can, they got him for another three years on that money, man. This is going to be unbelievable. They're going to, and you know, they go to the playoffs again in '18, but they, they get shellacked by the Rams, who go to the Super Bowl that year. So, um, yeah, the, the and. Let's, you know, Matt mentioned the coaches there for a second. This is why they brought McCarthy here, right? Mm-hmm. It's not to get to the playoffs. It's not to win a playoff game. It's to advance in the playoffs, and he's done that. Uh, you know, he, four NFC title games, one Super Bowl. So, you know, th- th- this is another one. Okay, show us, Mike McCarthy, like h- how you get it done. And you know, so I'm not saying there's pressure on him. I don't like obviously going anywhere, but th- there's a, you know, right now all he's done is the same stuff that Jason Garrett's done. If we're being truthful, now it's okay. This is where you separate yourself. Same thing with Dak. This is how you separate yourself. Now they got to show everybody.
0: What do they have to do? I mean, they finished 12 and five. They've got a, a home playoff game. You win the division, but what makes this a successful season? Is it, do you have to win a couple of playoff games for this to be considered successful?
2: Yeah, you, you know, and I just sit there said uh, how hard it is to, you know, get to the playoffs and win a game, and how hard it is to win a Super Bowl? But it, it's hard to say. Well, yeah, they got to get to an NFC title game, or it's a disappointing season. I, I guess what I guess I, I would define it more as what they can't do is lose Sunday. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's they lose Sunday, then you don't want to say it's a bad season, but I think disappointing probably would be the right word for it, right? If they were to lose and with how they started and where things are. Um, so you can't lose this one. Now, that, do they have to go to Tampa next week and 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 win down there to make it a successful season and get to a conference title game? That's successful? You, you, certainly, you feel a lot better about it, but then you're going to think about the opportunity of getting to Green Bay or if something were to happen where they wouldn't Make it to the um, conference title game, you know, playing potentially a game at home. Um, you lose that game, and then you're like, "Well, does that make it a disappointing season?" So, if they lose this week, it's disappointing. It's disappointing because of everything we thought they were going to be when they, when they really left Minnesota with Cooper Rush winning that game. Forget that it was twenty to sixteen, whatever the final was. They won with Cooper Rush as their quarterback, and you think, "Dang, there's nothing this team can't do." So, if you were to finish losing a wild card game at home to a six seed, that would be disappointing.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I also think, you know, if you win this game, you're most likely going to Tampa for the divisional round. And it just feels like there's a difference between, as you just mentioned, you lost a wild card game at home to San Francisco as well. I mean, no, I don't think anybody's going to really believe they get past Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. In the divisional round, and it just feels like a different mentality than it would if you lost this game. Like, I, I agree with you. I think they have to, you have to win this game on Sunday. I feel like you have to.
2: And look, you know, let's go back to week one for a second where, you know, Zach and, and Tom Brady are, are hugging it out. And yeah. what does Zach say? We'll see you all again. And at the time, we're like, you really just say that? And that, you know, you <laughs> really couldn't see him again. And that was, that was one of the best games of the season, and it was the first game of the season. So, And you look where Tampa is now. They don't have Godwin, the Antonio Brown thing is the best, obviously. They're, they're, they're getting guys back, but how much are they going to be football ready? Uh, you know, So th- th- there's an opportunity to go there and win that game uh, if they were to get past San Francisco. But you know who's saying the same things as what we're saying? Ah. San Francisco fans are saying the same thing. They're like, hey, beat the Cowboys. Yeah, that's possible. They Cowboys haven't beaten anybody all year, and their offense is up and down. and Who knows about that defense? So eh, then, then then, they're mapping it out. Well, they can go to Tampa and win that one, and then all of a sudden, ooh, geez, there you are in an NFC title game again with Shanahan and, and Garoppolo. So that's how close this thing is. Like, I think I saw one of our espn FPI things, like Green Bay's chances of making the Super Bowl, don't hold me to the number exactly, is something like, Twenty-one percent, and that's like the lowest percentage since they've been figuring this thing out among the, the favorite in the NFC. And there's like six teams, and the Cowboys are one of them that have like a five percent chance. So it tells you there's so much parity that there's not a big difference between all these teams that are that are in the postseason, especially on the NFC. Because I don't know, aside from going to Green Bay, I don't know if you're like, man you can't beat these guys. I mean, look, look at Tom Brady needed a last-second drive against the Jets in yeah. Week 17. <laughs> they, they were either just ahead, was it 10-7, 13-10, whatever it was against Carolina in Week 18 before they blew it open. So they're not setting the world on fire either. So, I mean, the, the opportunity is there for the Cowboys to do something, but there's an opportunity for every team in the NFC to do something because everybody can point out every other team's worst.
1: Yeah, I think that's just what we've said. There's no great NFL team this year, so it's wide open. If you can just put it together, you got a shot, and that's all you want, but you just got to take advantage of it.
2: And and that's different, like, Jock, you you grew up here and were around here, and Matt, you too, like, the 90s teams, like, you could, when the playoffs started, right, you penciled them in to at least the NFC title game. Yeah. Right? It wasn't about, hey, just get in the tournament and you'll have a chance. Like, right. to me, it's like, if that's what you're saying, it's like, oh, gosh, you really need a whole hell of a lot of things to go right. If you're just saying, hey, you got a chance, where those teams, and maybe it's a product of a different era of the NFL and where the cap is and, you know, parity and whatever it is, um, talent being more spread out because there's more teams, things like that. You know, it just seems those teams, you knew, you knew where they were going to be in January with this team. I, you know, would you guys be surprised if they were to lose Sunday? Like, surprised. Disappointed? Maybe. But surprised? I don't think it would surprise anybody. Would it?
0: I don't. Yeah, I think that I, I wouldn't use the word surprised. I think I definitely would be disappointed. The home playoff game and, and how they've, for the most part, been better at home this year, I'd be colossally disappointed because you just chalk it up, as we were talking about earlier, through the career of Dak and this this core of guys they have that you've just wasted another year. And, and quite honestly, like you mentioned, Todd, I mean, they brought Mike McCarthy in here because Jason Garrett couldn't get him past the divisional round. And, and at some point I look at it and I say, okay, well, what if they win a playoff game and then lose in the divisional round? I've been there and seen that. Like at what point are we going to break through and do something that we've been sitting around waiting for 25 years?
2: Right. And it goes to, again, how hard, how hard it is to, to win. In, in, in the NFL, right? I mean, we said it. McCarthy's here because he won a Super Bowl. He beat the Cowboys twice in those divisional round games. And he he has a track record of playoff success. Now people in Green Bay will say he only won one with Aaron Rodgers. That, that's a travesty. Like, there would be how many other teams in the league w- would die just to get one Super Bowl win in, in a, however long his run, 12-year run, 11-year run that he had up, up in Green Bay. So, um, yeah, there, there, there's the, the, the the targets on these guys grow now because this is when it matters. And then Dak said it coming off the field against, against, uh, Philly. The shit starts now. This is it. This is, this is the shit. This is like when it matters. Dak knows it. It doesn't mean he's got to go put, be Superman. I thought it was one thing good. Dan Quinn said yesterday. He's like, about Micah Parsons like he doesn't have to go put a cape on and do something he hasn't done yet. Just be the same guy. And I think that that's kind of the same thing with, with Dak. Don't think he's got to make every single play and every single throw and, and, and just, just be the same guy. Just, just, you know, maybe not the same guy as you were in a couple of the bad games at Kansas City and uh, where, where they struggled to put up points uh, against Denver and things, but just don't think he got to like be Superman. And I think Dak actually does a good job of maintaining the right mindset in the moment and not letting things bug him or, or get to him when it when it matters. I think that that's one of Dak's really good traits.
1: So I think the question is, uh, how do you see it going this week, man?
2: You know, I'll probably pick him to win in part because it does us no good to ever pick against them because all you do is just end up catching a bunch of grief from fans. Well, if they do win, how could you pick against them? Yeah, sorry. I thought they would have lost. I mean, my bad. I mean, you know, that's a crappy way to think of it. But, you know, we've talked about it before, the stuff that we spent the least time on during a week picking a, picking a game. It's the most reaction. We can write a 1,000-word story, 2,000-word story. By the way, I think I have a pretty good story coming out on the Diggs brothers with our Bills writer and then one on Saturday on or on Thursday on – uh. Micah Parsons, where I talked to Javon Curse about his rookie season. Um, how about that for a plug? That was jock-like right there. Nice. Well um, done. Very smooth. Uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. Where, where were we? What were we talking about?
0: <laughs> Who are you picking for the game? Who you got? I'll pick the Cowboys. All yeah, right. Cowboys cow- win.
2: Uh, we'll go 27-25. 27-26. And Jacques guy, Greg Zerline, with a 50-yarder at the gun to win it. How about that?
0: Wow. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of drama. Okay, fine. All right, Cowboys and, moving on to the divisional round. I like it.
2: And how about just the whole drama around the kicker, if you were actually pull something like that off? I'm, how much of John Fossil's chest would be puffed out if that were to happen?
1: Well, I mean, dude, first you told us he was hurt. Then you're like, now you got a mental problem, so. Yeah, know, is it, is just, it one of the I other? Or is it Both.
2: You remember when Parcell said, "No offense." You know, da 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 da. So whenever yeah. you say "no offense," you're immediately going to offend whatever whoever you're whatever you're about to say. And yeah. then when you say, "I'm not trying to make an excuse," well, now you're, you're absolutely right. making an excuse for somebody. So, <laughs> yeah, I just don't. If you want to stick with Greg Zerlani as your kicker, I'm fine with that. I truly am because I mean, who are you going to get here at this time that you say? This guy will be an automatic upgrade. I've got you. What's wrong with bringing another kicker on campus just to have a guy in case something were to happen? Or in case, like, you, you know, this guy in practice, you just see like he can't do it or he's missing all over and the other guy's there. At least you know you got a guy who's been, that's in shape, been around a team, all that kind of stuff. With with yep. 57 guys on a practice squad, it seems like this <laughs> year is the time that you could have carried an extra kicker.
1: Yeah. I mean, it had one for a minute. Uh, you know they're just weird about that, man. That or they don't want to do the other thing. They want to spook him and make him feel worse. Like,
0: ah, God, you you really don't trust me. Well, we don't. So get over <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> I, guess. I think Mike Brown once told me a story. Like, uh, told the Bengals PR, the Bengals owner told the PR guy a story about Mike so and so would like to talk to you about something, and da da da. And Mike Brown's answer was. Guess what? So what? That would be my answer to if Zerline or whoever would feel that man, you really don't believe in me. Guess what? So what? You've missed 12 kicks this year. Like, why? You know, it's not, it's on you. That's not, that wouldn't be on me.
0: Yeah, it would. You're right. Todd Archer, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for the chat. All right, guys. Talk All right, to you later. See you later. All right, bro. There he is, the greatness of Todd Archer predicting a Cowboys win, moving into the divisional round. As always, brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group. Have you made the call yet? Have you gone? You know, it's funny. Is I'll get messages, or I'll talk to people sometimes, and they're like, "Oh man, did you see that?" Whatever it is on Group dot com, and I'm like, I, "I have seen it because I go to the website all the time." And then there's, like, oh, I thought about giving Deb, what? Don't think, give her a call like give her a call like 817-881-4066 have that call or if you're nervous you're like i don't know i'm nervous to talk to a woman text her shoot her a text 817-881-4066 they want to work with you her and her husband mike they want to help you either find the car that you've been looking for or if you want to sell If 2022 is the year that you've decided you're going to sell your car, you've got to include them in the process, buy or sell, because they're going to give you a better deal. Most of the times they can beat a dealership because they have such low overhead and they can do whatever they want because they own the dang thing.
1: Dude, that's the beauty of it, man. Deb is the boss. She doesn't have to check with finance manager. She doesn't have to check with the GM. She doesn't have to check with anybody, man, except maybe Mike. And that's what they do. They do great deals, whether you're buying a car from them, whether you're selling a car, they do great deals, man. Because at the end of the day, when the contracts have been signed and the hands have been shook, they want you to feel like it was a win-win for everybody,
0: so you'll tell a friend. Exactly. Make it happen. 817-881-4066. Keep in mind, if you are looking to sell, they will come to you. They will come to your house and give you cash on site for your car. Or you can check them out online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. So give her a call. They're big fans of Jam Session. They're great people. It's Bluestar Motor Group. Once you get that ride, you're going to have to take it, as Jacques does, over to Freeway Tire Shop. Easy to get to in Dallas. It's just north of downtown, right off of 35. Let JR and his guys service your vehicles. They are going to—it's elite customer service. I mean, they are the world champions of customer service. It's competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part of all of that, you trust them. And when, when I think about mechanics, the one hesitation I always have, this is why everybody goes, hey, where do you take your cars? Like I, having moved to Birmingham, I had to ask a buddy of mine at the station, I was like, hey, do you have a guy that you go to or something like that? Why? Because I want to be able to trust the person. We are vouching for JR and his crew at Freeway Tire Shop. You can trust them
1: no nah, I mean you absolutely do man I always trust Jr to one quickly diagnose the issue two I trust him to use quality parts to fix the car man because everybody don't do that then I trust him to give me a fair price you know it don't cost the labor shouldn't be a thousand dollars man for a one-hour job And finally man, I trust him to stand behind his work and guarantee it he does all those things he does them consistently that's why he's the best
0: That's why we keep him with us. He is fantastic. You will be blown away by the level of service you experience at Freeway Tire Shop. You can schedule your appointment. You can request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. So as we continue, we've got the college football season. Now, where I live in Birmingham, Alabama, this is the college football hotbed of the world. And I can tell you that today people are waking up and will be in doom and gloom. Even with the NFL playoffs coming up and everything that we're all excited about with the Cowboys playoff games, there are people here who will go into a dark depression because college football is done for the next seven, eight months.
1: I get it. And I'm not even going to, uh, I'm not even going to, uh, to make fun of them, it, man. It's, uh, I used to be like that when, uh, when I was a kid and the NFL season ended. Like, oh my God, yeah. what do I do for the next six months? And, um, I mean, I know you got recruiting, I know you got spring practice, but it's not like the NFL machine to me where it's working all, uh, where it's working all summer.
0: Yeah, it's definitely different. Although I will say here, and this is something that, I mean, it just absolutely blew my mind when I first moved here, a day, which is the spring football games. It's what they call it for Auburn and Alabama. And obviously like Georgia would be called G day, but a day here will pull something like 70, 80,000 people to watch a, a spring scrimmage. Right. And they go and tailgate and treat it just like it is an actual game day. I mean, it is mind-boggling. But the college football season is over, and Georgia did. They were favored. They were the best team all year, and they brought it last night in a really interesting title game. Nine to six at the half, And 33-18, a final score is Georgia. I mean, Georgia came out in the second half and started playing the football that we'd seen them play all year, and Alabama just couldn't stop them.
1: Okay, let me tell you something hilarious about this, Matt. So I'm watching the game, but I've been up all day. You know I go to bed early. Yeah. And so I'm like, ah, this game's actually pretty good. It's kind of what I was hoping for. And then Bama goes up, what was it, 18-13, and there's like 10, 10 and a half minutes left. Yeah. And they go to commercial. Now, Matt, Matt has seen me do this before. <laughs> I have. I fell asleep during the two minutes commercial. And so I woke up and the PJs, some claymation show, is staring at me. And I go, damn, I slept through the last 10 minutes of the game. Bama had just gone up 18-13. That defense, uh, you know, I don't know how they lost. Or let me see how much they won what was the final score. So, dude, I checked out the final score. I go, oh my God. Yeah. What the hell happened when I in the last 10 minutes when I went to sleep? And so I went back and rewatched the game. I was up at whatever it was, 1 32 in the morning watching the game.
0: Yeah, it was impressive, man. And and it was interesting because in the first half, I mean, George's whole thing is don't let the quarterback do too much and run the football. In the first half, they threw it 17 times, and their running backs had nine carries for 26 yards. In the second half, their quarterback was six of nine, and their running backs had 13 carries for 140 yards. And so what they yeah. did was they started to just gash Alabama with the run, and it set things up where he— I mean, he just had easy completions. And he's got a great story and, and, and good for them and all that, but— they were the better team. I mean, they thumped Alabama, and I thought it was funny because when they met at midfield after the game, the first thing Saban said to, to Kirby Smart, you could hear it on TV, he said, man, you guys really kicked our ass in the fourth quarter. And they did. They, they outscored them 20 nothing in the fourth quarter and whipped their ass. And Georgia, they deserved it. They were the best team all year. They're the number one team in the country, and they have won their first national title since 1980, ending a lot of heartbreak for a lot of people over the years and, and some of the great players over the years that have played at Georgia, and they finally get another national title. And you wonder now, with the way Kirby has that thing set up, he's only 46 years old. I mean. Well,
1: he's, he's I mean, Georgia has long been a destination spot. No reason yeah. why he can't be Vince Dooley, you know, a longtime Georgia coach who, who led them to uh, the national championships in the 80s um it's set up now it's a great football state uh you're always going to uh you know have the best athletes out of Georgia you are the state school I mean there's dude that's uh that's really like a destination spot and so I don't know what would ever get you out now you could say well what about Alabama well I think he went to Georgia
0: he so. did yeah George it, it's you know people forget Kirby Smart had been under Nick Saban. he was with them when he was at l s u originally. He was with them in Miami and then he went with them to Alabama. He left because the Georgia job came open, and that's his alma mater, and that's like he like he is never leaving georgia he will not he right. he'll, he'll be there forever
1: yeah, and um so you know i would I would think now that they've crossed over and won it that they will join um Ohio State and Alabama because you know, Clemson's been up there for about a decade, but it's a big it's a big moment for Badapo, man. Yeah. Uh to remain one of the elite teams that's going to the playoff every year. And this is just kind of your out of character down year. Or uh or you know, is your run over?
0: Yeah, man. I mean it, it is and, and we'll see. I I think Clemson will will bounce back. But the reality of it is, you got to recruit in that level where you're constantly just pumping in top five classes. And Georgia's been on that level. Now they got the ring. And the funny thing of it is, you know, Bama fans want to moan and groan. Well, if Jamison Williams hadn't gotten hurt, that's a walk on quarterback. Georgia, that's not a five star, like, like once in a lifetime generational quarterback. Georgia won the national title with a walk on quarterback. Who's not going to play in the NFL, by the way. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody takes a flyer and drafts him because he's got a ring, so obviously he must have some leadership qualities. But he's not going to play in the NFL. And you nah. just wonder, like, with the way Georgia recruits, once they get a big five-star prospect quarterback in there, I mean, that's Georgia's going to be tough in the next few years.
1: Well, you know, he's done that before, but he couldn't figure out the right one to play.
0: Yeah, he screwed up. Uh, well, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, Jake Fromm obviously did a terrific job, but... You know, and that's that's, but he'll the my point is the quarterbacks are coming to Kirby. It's just yeah. you pick the right one.
0: Yeah, and and they recruited a kid this year. It's a top quarterback recruit. And they'll be just fine. And you know, Alabama. The reality of it is, it I never thought it was going to be their year. I'm kind of a little surprised they actually got into the title game just based on sheer talent and coaching. And Bryce Young, who you know, Bryce Young came into the season having thrown I think it was 22 passes in his collegiate career and his development, and you look at it, Bryce Young has to go back. Will Anderson, the best defensive player on the field last night, he has to return for Alabama because they're both sophomores. And Alabama's got all this talent coming in, and and they will be the preseason number one. And I think it's going to be really interesting because Ohio State, I think it'll be Bama number one, Ohio State number two in the preseason polls because you look at what Ohio State has coming back, and the reality of it is in this day and age, if you've got decent talent on both sides of the ball, but you've got a quarterback like a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud coming back, they'll, it's it's supposed to be your year. Yeah. And so we'll see. But Ohio State's going to be nasty good next year, I think. I mean, obviously, they need some things to go their way. But, you know, when you look at the three, the triumvirate they have with Stroud, Henderson and, and Jackson, Smith and Jigba coming back offensively. They got a lot of talent returning defensively that now has some of that experience they lacked, especially earlier in the season.
1: And then they'll uh, they'll also have who's supposed to be one of the top five defensive coordinators. Yeah, uh, and uh, the dude they stole from
0: Oklahoma State.
1: That's or right. Yeah, bought off from Oklahoma State because I wouldn't say they stole him; they paid top dollar for
0: him. But the college football season comes to an end, and it's going to be fun because next year I'm I'm stoked about it. Alabama plays in Austin, September 10th. They play the Texas Longhorns in Austin September 10th. And I told the guys at the station, I was like, man, we got to figure something out because we need to be broadcasting live from Austin and get ready for that because that'll be badass. I mean, Alabama's going to destroy them, but who cares? It's going to be fine.
1: Well, we think they'll destroy them or we figure they'll win. But what if something shocking happened and Texas kept
0: it close? Man, if it was later in the season, my problem is Texas is going to have so many young players. That's the second week of the year. And that's always – it was like Ohio State and Oregon this year. Like, if Ohio State had played Oregon later in the year, I think that game's different. But sometimes when you catch a team that's got a young quarterback and young skill position players that don't have a lot of experience yet, you catch them early in the schedule, you can get them, and then that team develops and is totally different two months later.
1: Yeah, because uh, I got I to tell you, I want to see what Quinn Ewers does.
0: I do too, man. joke. I mean, if, he, if he's the real guy, if he's the real deal, then Texas – I wouldn't say next year, but they'll be building towards something amount, maybe getting some consistency. And then once you get that one recruit and he sees what Sark can do with you, that turns yeah. heads of other big time quarterback recruits that want to put up those types of things. I mean, yeah,
1: no, that's exactly what happened. You can use my school as an example.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You go down the pipeline of talent. That's how it is. Dwayne Haskins
1: puts them up and then, um, you know, Justin Fields wants to go and then hell, There's nothing but five stars wanting to show up.
0: Yeah, I mean, now you got five stars leaving because they can't get on like Quinn Ewers because C.J. Stroud shows up. He's going to be there the next two seasons entrenched as a starter.
1: Why are you bull-corning? How about Jameson Williams?
0: Yeah, another great example of that. Looked around at the Ohio State receiving room. and was like, well, I'm not getting on this field. Transfers to Alabama's, And I still haven't seen officially what the diagnosis is. It's got to be a torn ACL.
1: Yeah, I've seen it. It is a tornado.
0: Okay, because I was going to say, there's no way the move that he had, there's no way that it wasn't. Um,
1: no, but this is why I love the transfer rule. And why I thought, you know, because let's just keep it real, man. Before the transfer rule, he'd have been like, hey, Coach Day, you got two All Americans and a freshman All American in front of me. Um, I ain't going to play a lot. I'd like to transfer. Uh, somewhere where I can go play. him yeah. Uh. Well, you know, man. What if one of those guys gets hurt? We then you get a lot of snaps, and I don't think it's in your bet. You know, for the good of you and the good of program. You know, if you want to transfer, you can go to a Mac school, <laughs> or or you can go to Hawaii or Alaska Anchorage. Uh, but other than that, uh, we, we'd really like for you to stay here. Cause yeah. that's just how coaches are. I'm not even judging them, man. Almost every coach in America would do that if they could, which is why the transfer portal is good. Because think about how much money he made before he got hurt, bro.
0: That's true. That's very true. I mean, that's that's going to come into. I mean, a lot of these moves here, the money part is going to come into play big time. And we'll, you know, I'll be curious to see. There's some guys that are entering in the portal now in that nil part, and all these quarterbacks that are moving around. But fun season. I enjoyed it. Dude, it was a it was a good college
1: football season. It's always goes for me. Depending on how I think my team is, I'm bougie like that. That turn that determines my true investment, even though I love college football. And I never bought into our defense this year, so I never really got super duper hyped because I just didn't trust our defense was like the Cowboys defense last year. <laughs> it just at some point is going to betray you. Uh but you know, I'm I'm already looking forward to next year because I think uh, for the reasons yeah. you ironed out, we'll be back in the real national championship hunt. Michigan's good again, so now that game will be, you know, twice as big as what it was last year when it was pretty big. And so uh, that's the fun part of being a college football fan. You get to uh, live and die with
0: it a little bit every week. You think Harbaugh leaves Michigan? Yeah. Because, and while we were doing the podcast here this afternoon, as we're recording this on a Tuesday evening, the Giants fired Joe Judge. So that means you have the Giants, the Bears, the Vikings, the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Jaguars, the Raiders, who have all made these moves and will be looking for head coaches. And then, of course, the Giants, Bears, and Vikings also fired their general managers and are looking for a complete redo. And I got to think Harbaugh... I wonder if Harbaugh and the Bears would be a fit.
1: And I think that is the fit. You know, he was a terrific player for them. He fits uh, Chicago in terms of attitude, mentality. NFC North, what's he want to do? He wants to run two tight ends and run the ball. Uh, Shit he did at Stanford, stuff he did with the 49ers. Uh, He's got a quarterback who can be the centerpiece there. And because he's Jim Harbaugh, you can hire him as your football coach and director of operations and so he can either be his own GM or he can bring in his boy to be his GM, whoever that is. Uh, but it's Harbaugh who's really running the show, and and uh, he understands what the city wants and what the what the McClaskies want, and uh, that fit makes sense to me. And I say all this under auspices of, you know, it was probably Harbaugh's agent who put out after the uh, playoff that oh yeah, Jim would love to uh, entertain the thought of going back to the league. Mm. And, um, you know, some of that is, you know, maybe he's just tired of college football or he sees Ohio State as, yeah, we got him this year, but, you know, that's kind of where we are. You know, it's not going to yeah. be a every every year, every year other year thing. It's going to be they went four out of five just because they got a talent advantage on us, uh, blah, blah, blah. So maybe not. Maybe, maybe he's done his college football thing at his alma mater that's off his bucket list. And he wants to get back to coaching grown men. Or maybe he thinks that offense that he runs ultimately ain't going to work at the highest level of college football. And yeah. so let me bounce now why everybody loves me and everybody feels good and everybody forgets that I ain't beat Ohio State or Michigan State but once since I've been here. So this is a good time to go why they love me.
0: Yeah, it could be. And, and, and you look around like Dan Quinn. I, I'd be shocked if Dan Quinn is in Dallas next year. You, I saw the Broncos look like a real good possibility for him. you got to think Dan Quinn is getting one of these jobs. And it, I'll be interested. It'll be curious to see, you know, there's some of these names that are flying around. I still can't. I was telling you this before we started. I, I cannot believe, power play or not, that the Dolphins got rid of Brian Flores. I I, I honestly think, that they're going to look at that and go, my God, we made a colossal mistake.
1: Well, sometimes that, uh, I mean, dude, we saw it in Dallas up close and personal, man. The GM and the coach can't get along. Somebody got to go.
0: Yeah, that's very true.
1: Um, You know, I thought it was a dumb move until you heard about, you know, they can't get along for whatever reason. I don't know whose fault it is. I will say this uh you know all those assistants who come off the bill belichick tree seem to think that you know they can be bill belichick and yeah. they really can't and yeah. they all seem to have problems with communicating to other people and you know you can't be the demanding bill belichick even though you can demand a lot from people dude that dude's got out i mean he's acknowledged as pretty much the greatest coach in nfl history there's a reason why Randy Galloway could turn in expense reports. I never would when I was at the morning. He was, he was, you know
0: what I'm saying? Yeah, that's very true.
1: Even once I became a columnist, I would never just do what Galloway did because I ain't Galloway. And I don't have any delusions of grandeur that I am. And so, no, I'm not going to pick up everybody's tab at dinner and then throw in a couple of bottles of wine and turn it in. <laughs> it's not happening.
0: Yeah, um, it, it's, it, it's wild to see some of these co- That was the only one that I was really surprised by was Flores. I think the other ones, you know, the Giants today getting rid of Joe Judge. I mean, you look at that just two seasons, but what a colossal disaster that was. And, you know, it's interesting because the Giants, since they last won the Super Bowl in 2011, they have two winning seasons. They've made the playoffs once in the last 10 years. And this is their record in the last five seasons, three and 13 five and eleven four and twelve six and ten four and thirteen
1: I'm gonna tell you something else bro I found this more damning they have not been over 500
0: at any point in the last five years at all in, in any of this that's a that's they yeah. cannot figure it out I mean they are and Daniel Jones isn't the answer and they still need a quarterback I mean they they are in and who knows I mean you are always maybe. They find a GM that can come in there and get the right coach. If I was them, I'd go hire Brian Flores. I mean, I hope they don't because I don't want him in the division.
1: You got to go find the guy you think can be a good GM for you and let him. I hope it's not Will McClay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, That's the kind of stable organization you'd like to go to because typically, you know, they they keep their people around for a minute. They're not a uh, reactionary franchise, even though they're running through a lot of coaches right now. But you know, Will has a great job, and so for him, and I've talked about them with this him over the years. It's like I would never say he would never leave because at some point you'd like to run your own show. Yeah. But it had to be the perfect fit. We go, well, what is the perfect fit? There's only 32 of these jobs. Well, the perfect fit is you gotta have an owner who's committed to winning, of course. You know, but then you gotta be in a situation where Will can do his thing and, you know, just run the show however he would deem to run it because if not, he just as soon stay in Dallas where at least I know what my role is. My role is great. My voice is, you know, respected and and all of that. So it ain't just about he wants to be a GM anywhere. He wants to be a GM in the right spot. And, you know, we're also talking about a place where you got a quarterback or you got a bunch of draft picks where I can go win because every GM job is not designed for you to win.
0: No, that's very true, and, and it, it'll be interesting to see if somebody can make a play if this is a year for Will McClay, but, you know, because people forget he was with the Dallas Desperados before he went to the Cowboys. I mean, he's been in Dallas for, what, like 20-something years?
1: Yeah, he's also got a teenage son, and so, you know, he spends quite a bit of time with him, and so, um, you know, he.
0: I don't know that
1: right now it had to be the perfect fit because I think his, his kid is, a, is maybe a sophomore, this year
0: and you got to i mean don't you think jerry would just continually if they needed to i mean money wouldn't be the reason why i mean he probably
1: money's money's not the issue it's at some point you want to run your own deal
0: which is kind of maybe the kellen moore thing as well like at what point does kellen moore just be like okay well i don't want to wait for mccarthy to leave and see if i'm the next guy up i don't want to jason garrett this thing I'm, i'm ready now i have a hard time believing kellen moore gets a job as a head coach somewhere else this this year
1: it's all about the right situation the right fit man like i, w- I was mentioning this about him in jacksonville like i would I w- there's no way i would ever hire him in jacksonville you go well why not i go because i just hired a first-time coach mm. i don't want to hire another first-time coach for my quarterback my most prized possession the one who's the only one who can really truly lead us out of the abyss i got to get that dude some stability if i hire a young Head coach, there's no telling whether he can do the job or he's gonna make mistakes while he's learning it. And he might wreck my, you know, most important asset in the process. So in Jacksonville, I'd hire a veteran coach, whether it's offensive or defense, and then I go hire somebody like Kellen to be my coordinator. Um but that's just one one way of thinking. So my point is again, if you're Kellen Moore, you got a great job in Dallas, you got all these weapons, you got a good quarterback to work with. Um you got you got, you're getting paid. So money is really not a, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. counting his pockets, but money is not his, he doesn't wake up in the morning thinking like, Oh, I want to, Hey, turn off the lights. This, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I don't want to pay this electric bill. So what I'm saying is he's in a situation where he can wait for the exact right job. Cause just like it, man, there's only 32 of them, but some of them are a hell of a lot better than others.
0: That's very true. Very true at the core. There is no doubt about that. Some opportunities are much better. Like who the hell wants to go to Washington?
1: Yeah, because the owner's a poop show and it's it's a lot of moving parts there. You ain't got no quarterback. It's um yeah. So, I mean, it takes special again, there's only 32 of them, so right. you can only be so choosy if depending on who you are. But, you know, there's uh, some situations are, are much more desirable than others either through talent or through ownership, like Minnesota's a good job They don't have a quarterback there But they got a serviceable guy uh, Ownership is pretty stable In terms of the GM was there 16 years The coach was there 8 um, And they got talent And so, okay, that's a much better job Than You know, one of these poop shows Where, where you know, the Giants
0: job But it's
1: also a short term,
0: long term Conversation you're having with yourself So, Yeah you know there's there's a conversation to be had on that level as well so that's it for us we are back our next episode will be getting you ready for hopefully a Cowboys playoff win Cowboys 49ers on Sunday we will have ESPN's Ed Werder jumping on with us talking and previewing that game and we will also have from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram Clarence Hill Jr. will join us for his thoughts on that game as well let's hope the ride continues but enjoy this episode and we will talk to you guys next time thanks for listening to the jam session podcast make sure to find us on instagram at jam session cast of course You can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.